Part 2. The Thunder. The first time you meet the writer, she is standing inside the kitchen of the house. She's brewing coffee, staring out at the plains. You watch her. You wonder how you didn't notice. She has changed over the years. Her hair's longer, skin darker. New scars dot her arms, her face. She looks tired, worn by years in the open. There are so many things you want to say. Do you remember me? Do you know that they're all dead? Do you know how long I looked for you? Why didn't you say anything? You say nothing and just keep watching. That night you wake up in tears. In your dreams the smoke clawed at your throat. Fire burned your skin. You stumble outside, desperate for fresh air. The rider is sitting on a rocking chair on the porch, wrapped in a blanket. The blanket. The one your mother traded for five deer all those years ago. You let out a low sob and she stirs. There is no light but the stars and the moon. The rider looks at you with half-awake eyes. You stare at the blanket. In that moment, she recognizes you. Your mother, she says. You sob again. She tells you she knows. She watched the prairie burn, watched as dust turned to ash, a day with no sun, no moon, no stars. A cold hand wraps around yours. It's rough, calloused from years on horseback. It's also strong and comforting. It's the first time the rider has touched you. Winter comes. You find it to be warmer than the winters on the reservation. Still, the desert is merciless, and there are days where the chill sinks into your bones. One morning, the rider wakes you up. Before the sun is on the horizon, you get dressed, pulling on the rider's smallest pair of jeans. You don't know where they came from because they're not hers. Part of you is too afraid to ask. You ask her where you're going. She looks at you and then back to her cup of coffee. Tucson, she says. You're in need of supplies. Then north to the reservation. You freeze. It's been almost six months since you left. A chill sinks under your skin, a cold unease settling in your stomach. She watches you, a glint in her eyes that reminds you of that first day with the gun and the dust. She tells you, you can stay here in the home. Someone needs to look after the horses and cattle. She says, but you know she's given you an excuse. You take it. She's been gone for four weeks now, and the cold has become unbearable. Even with layers and layers of fire roaring in the night, you still feel an unshakable chill. The weight has become unbearable. The house is empty without the rider, silent save for the ghostly wind that comes through the windows. You go days without speaking, murmuring quietly to the horses when you can. You freely speak your mother tongue, yelling out into the howling wind. 
A vaquero comes past one day. He is sturdy and tall. His horse towers over you. He asks for shelter, and you offer him a stall in the stable. He speaks strangely. You let him inside, making soup. You sit by the fire as he tells you stories. He comes from beyond the border, from a city called Puebla. He says you must have heard of it. You look confused and he laughs. He asks you why your husband never told you about being from Puebla. You ask him how he knows. He gestures to the sparse decoration on the walls, on the windowsills. Clascalan, he says. You don't know this word, don't know its people. You don't know where this word comes from, but you know who she is, the writer. You ask him to write it down, he laughs. He can't read, nor can he write. You ask him to repeat the word until you can say it. You burn it into your tongue. He leaves the next morning before the sun rises. Another day and a woman comes to the plain. You know her only as the shepherd. You met her before once, when the rider was still a mystery on the horizon. She's from the reservation like you. She didn't flee the fire, however. She fled something else. You haven't quite figured out what. She speaks in your language, and at times your mouth runs dry from disuse, stumbling over words that were once easy. The shepherd never says anything, though. She, too, struggles. She asks you if you'd like to buy some wool. It's tempting, but what could you weave? You were not past the skills to do so before your mother disappeared into the ashes and smoke. There is no guiding hand through the weave, firm but calm, methodical. You buy a couple of meters of wool and a couple more of cotton, your hands linger on hers for a moment longer, and she looks at you with sad eyes. Your eyes flick from her eyes to her hair cropped short above her shoulders. You reach out to grasp it between two fingers, and she lets you. Your own hair feels heavy on your head, uncut since birth. She tells you that you must let go, and you know she doesn't mean her hair. She rides off, the cold midday wind blowing dust until she is gone. You have made your home in the wolf's den, lamb. Do you feel safe? You hear her before you see her. It is early afternoon as you gently brush the horse that carried you from the burning land. You stroke his nuzzle, singing a tune from home. It is peaceful. Then a crack and a boom rings across the desert. You run out of the stable. There is no storm in the sky, and yet the thunderous sound gets closer. You watch the horizon. The rider appears first, hunched down on her horse. Another boom, she turns and points. Another boom. As she gets closer, you see a wicked glint, and you realize she's holding her gun. 
Another boom. Two more riders appear on the horizon. The rider yells at you, telling you to run. Another boom. You feel this one in your chest. Your feet are lead and stuck to the spot. She screams at you. She is so close you could touch her if you just reached out. Another boom. The rider falls from her horse, bouncing off the hard dirt. The horse bolts. Blood pools at your feet where you stand unmoved. The twin riders are getting closer, so close you can hear them taunt the rider. She lets out an enraged scream. Another boom, one of the horses goes down, collapsing onto its rider. Another boom, the other rider slides off his saddle, crumpling into the dirt. The desert is silent. You still haven't moved. The rider groans loudly, swearing as she tries to sit up. You stare at her. There is so much blood. You don't know how much blood a human can lose and still live, but you've always thought that the rider was more than just a mere mortal. Another set of hooves comes along the horizon. The rider weakly raises her gun and watches with lidded eyes. You, you recognize the horse. It's the shepherd. As she gets closer, you tell her to ride to the town to get the sawbones. You watch as she disappears where the sky meets the plain. You pull the rider from the ground and she screams. As she stands, she's panting, chest heaving. Her face is contorted, eyes squeezed shut. She grits her teeth and begins moving to the house. You go to help her and she brushes you off. You've done enough, she says. She collapses on the stairs momentarily and then is back up again, pulling herself along the rail. She leaves a trail of blood in her wake. You take one fleeting look beyond the fence. You turn and follow the rider inside. You wonder if the rider is going to break your arm with the amount of pressure she is putting on it. A spare strip of leather is in her mouth, but it doesn't stop the cries of pain as the sawbone stitches the wound. The doctor's hands are calm and stable. Even with the most fierce of patients, the shepherd holds the rider's arm down, stopping her from worsening the injury. Your skin turned red a long time ago from the force. It blends with the crimson liquid that trickles down the rider's arm, catching on her ring her ring. You've never seen it before. Where did it come from? Who does it belong to? A sharp pain in your arm brings you back. Your skin is broken where the rider is gripped so hard her nails have cut you. You let out a small gasp. She looks at you, then your arm, and then she passes out from the pain. The sawbones gives a sigh of relief. Finally, she says. She works much faster now that she isn't fighting the rider. She packs the wounds, gives you instructions on how to care for it, and leaves with the shepherd. You watch the rider sleep. The three of you had managed to lug her into the bed that was hers and is now yours. She shivers a little, and you give her your blanket laying it over her. For the first time, she seems at peace. Her face has softened. No longer its usual expression of discontent and general annoyance. 
Her hair is splayed out on the pillow. Her chest rises and falls in a slow rhythm. You take a seat in the corner on a kitchen chair, knees at your chest. You wake up and she is gone. The blankets have been tossed aside, except for yours, which sits on your lap. Sunlight sprinkles through the old shutters. You don't know what time it is. All you know is that the rider is gone. You run out of the bedroom. The kitchen is empty. The kettle lies on its side, water spilling out of it. A cracked mug sits on the counter and the coffee powder is spread across the wood. A chair has been knocked over. The entrance hall is also in a bad state. The rug is kicked up, boots knocked over, hats pile on the floor, and the drawer on the cupboard has been left open. The door is ajar. You push it open with caution. The stairs are still stained with blood. You search the desert. There, several meters away, stands the rider. She has no shoes on. Her hair is loose, billowing in the wind with her blouse. Smoke pours from her mouth. Your chest tightens. She turns to face you, and in the unknown sun, her eyes have lost their once sinister gleam. A cigarette rests between the fingers of her good hand. The small embers drop into the ground. You realize she's standing where she was shot. You both stand in the dirt, feet bare. She holds your gaze, dark eyes staring into you. Adelita. You forget to breathe for a moment. The desert is where the name goes to die, and yet here you are witnessing the resurrection. Tell me, Watcher, as you regard this rebirth, do you still know yourself? Who have you become? Are you who you once were? Do you yourself approach the resurrection, or have you become the ghost of the fire without a home or a name or a people? Tell me, Watcher. Is a name just a name?